0: I found out at age 27, I had a 11 centimeter tumor on my uterus. So the meaning we associate to something is what its truth is gonna be. And so if our world is positioned in such a divinely perfect way, then why can't you be positioned in a divinely perfect way? Mm -hmm. They're called feelings because they're meant to be felt. And so once you really get your belief behind Anything, then that will be your experience. Kind of like I mentioned in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Whatever mm-hmm. I think in here internally is going to be projected externally because we're not taught how to connect to ourselves. And we almost think that the distraction is going to give us that happiness, yeah. to give us that fulfillment, to give us that dopamine hit, like the burger you mentioned. This idea of death actually connected me more to life mm-hmm. and it connected me to the simple things in life. And I think that with immortality that magic of life and the simple things of life would have been would be taken away and if that's taken away then what's the point
1: i've got chills and yeah i did have chills right there and that's purely because this was one-off if not the most insightful conversation that uh, we've had on the podcast so far. Our guest today was born and raised in the United States uh, by a traditional Romanian parents and uh, they came there in uh, late 1980s and basically all they that they wanted from Natalie was for her to pursue medicine. She did that, she went to college, she did pre med. she did one year of research and uh, two years in medical school she basically had her quarter-life crisis she realized that basically she couldn't find fulfillment in everything that she was doing at a time and uh you you'll you'll see that she also encountered a very very life-changing experience when um she had the um, very big tumor uh, taken off her uterus. Uh, she's gonna touch upon that as well. And basically, what she does now, she helps high performers, leaders, and anybody that wants to take things to the next level with their performance mindset. Basically, helping them with their career, business relationships. You call it, she does it. Basically, in this uh, episode, we touch upon a lot of a lot of uh, various topics. Super super important topics such as why people are afraid of change, afraid of the unknown uh, and also why stepping out of one's comfort zone is so difficult to do. Uh, we also touch upon purpose and how um, life is just magic in itself. Natalie uh, talks about giving yourself permission to listen to yourself uh, and also that's the reason behind, uh, behind the title. So we also touch upon distractions, uh, what to do when you are stressed or feeling anxious. She gives Gives us uh, some super insightful and applicable tips. Also we talk about becoming more connected to yourself and she also becomes quite vulnerable. During the podcast she drops a few tears because uh, she's basically opening up talking about uh, her past limiting beliefs about uh, around money and around other things and uh, yeah it's been super insightful I'll uh, leave you guys to it and without further ado ladies and gentlemen Natalie Botezatu. You are listening to The Grateful Show with our hosts Pascu and Bogdan. Join us on our mission to spread awareness around mental health and make people feel happier and overall more grateful. Each week, we bring you an inspiring guest, stories, and a message that will help you become your best self and pursue your life mission. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Grateful Show. I hope you guys are doing incredibly well because uh, if you're not you're just about to be because uh, as you can see in the title today we have no one other than Natalie Bottezato. How is it going Natalie?
0: Hi everyone I'm doing so good I'm so happy to be here thank you so much for having me Paz.
1: Brilliant it's a pleasure to have you on and uh, what what time is it for you there because I know there's a difference between between us now.
0: Yes so I'm based in Los Angeles so it's 9 a.m for me so first thing in the morning starting my day off with some gratitude and gratefulness with this conversation. So I'm really excited.
1: love it, love it. Speaking of gratitude, what are you grateful for today, Natalie?
0: Today, I'm grateful for living by the ocean. I live right by the ocean. Apparently there's a big heat wave that's happening. I was talking to my friends that live down the street and we're like, the heat wave what and because we live by the ocean we don't really feel that um so the weather is always gorgeous here where I live I love it here and so I will probably be going on a little walk later to the beach and so I'm always grateful for that I've been living here for three years and every single day it never gets old I see the ocean I see the mountains and I'm just like holy shit I can't believe I live here but I chose it for myself so I'm really grateful that I chose that for myself that I'm really grateful that I live where I live.
1: Awesome. Love it. Love it. And look, Natalie, obviously we we spoke before. I know a few things about you and your story, but for audience that doesn't really know who you are, can you give us like a three to four minutes introduction into who you are and basically how you came to be where you are now?
0: Sure. Absolutely. So my name is Natalie Botezatu. I was actually uh, born and raised in the United States, but I was born and raised by a very, very traditional Romanian parent. My parents actually came here to the States in the late 1980s and they came with think, $150 in their pockets, came to a brand new country, didn't know very many people. My grandma, and my grandpa had been here, but completely different country, couldn't really speak English that well. And they came to this country to give me and my brother a better life. So I was raised in a very traditional Romanian home. My first language is actually Romanian. And my parents essentially came here to give me and my brother the opportunity to have an even greater life than we would have had in Romania. And so they set us up educationally. They set us up with the best education. And essentially the best thing that I could do was go to medical school, become an engineer, become a lawyer, become an architect. And so I pursued medicine for my whole entire life. I did the whole thing where I went to college pre-med, did a year of research, and then applied to medical school, got in Completed two years of medical school. Thought this is the thing that I want to do, this is my dream. Amazing, wonderful. I got two years in and I had my quarter life crisis. I was 25 at the time, so I had my quarter life crisis, not my midlife crisis. And I realized that man, is this actually really what I want? Is this it? And so, long story short, I eventually took a year off from medical school to pursue my own business because I knew that I wanted to help people with health holistically in general, but eventually I honed in on specifically focusing on mental health. And so, after a year of going full time in my business, I realized that, man, I really love this. And I actually think that this is even more supportive of the type of health that I am destined to support people through. So, I dropped out of medical school. My parents and my friends thought I was crazy. I packed my bags. I moved from Michigan to Los Angeles, went full time in my business. And I've been doing that ever since, and I've been loving it. So, essentially, what I do is I started off as a health coach, then, after a year, transitioned purely into mindset coaching. And what I do is I help individuals, high performers, leaders, anybody who wants to really take things to the next level with their performance, with their mindset, really, really healing from the inside out to show up powerfully in their businesses, in their relationships, and in their careers. I don't work just with entrepreneurs. I've worked with nurses. I've worked with engineers. I've spoken to different engineers. I've worked with different dating coaches. And so I can then support people with shifting the way that they internally think believe and feel so that they can then have a different external experience in their relationships and in their careers so that's what
1: i love (laughs) it so basically helping them with the internal so they can basically change the external uh Mm -hmm. pretty much but uh natalie uh Obviously, your story is super, super inspiring, considering that you still went to, to like medical school and you pursued what you did. It wasn't like 100% sure of, and I'm more than certain that it was much more difficult to pursue it that way, uh, and still you did it uh, regardless, and then you realize that, hold on a second, this is not for me, or maybe there's something that is calling me, but uh, it's definitely something that if not everyone, majority of people find themselves in the position of having to basically forget everything that they were, they thought they were uh,
0: mm-hmm. in order
1: to reborn, in order to become a better version of themselves. And uh, one thing that I want to ask you, obviously, um, you are an expert when it comes to mindset. Why are people actually afraid of that? Why Why is there a fear inside of them of change they are afraid of change they are afraid of the unknown even though most often than not they know that that is what eventually they have to uh, i guess step towards step into
0: sure so the biggest thing that held me back was this fear of disappointing the people i loved most but also fear of judgment and also fear of just of what other people would think Sure. There was a part of me that was scared of failure, but that was a very small part. I can talk about that a little bit. But I think the biggest thing is that from a really young age, we're almost taught to seek the approval of others around us. We're taught to seek the approval of our parents. We're taught to seek the approval of our teachers, to get good grades, to be well behaved, to do the right thing. From a really young age, we're also taught by the media to look a specific way. We're taught by the media and by by the internet. You see so many things about how you should be, how you should act. And so we're very externally focused. So when all of a sudden there's something inside of you that is saying something different, there's a part of us evolutionarily that's freaking out. We're not that complex. We haven't evolved that much as humans. Our brains kind of still think like, we did back in caveman days. And so if you think back to when we used to live in the middle of the wilderness in the wild and your survival depended on how you function within a tribe, imagine if when you were in that tribe setting, you were the person that was like, you know what? Fuck all of you guys. I'm going to go and I'm going to hunt that wild boar by myself because I want to be the, the person that brings that big food source to us by myself. I'm going to go off on my own. I don't need anybody else. I'm going to do that thing. What would the tribe do? They'd say you're crazy. And eventually, they, if you leave the tribe, essentially, they would assume that you're never coming back. Because mm-hmm. if you were to try to hunt the wild boar by yourself, the chances are you'd get attacked by something. You'd get eaten by something. You'd get killed by another tribe if you just go yeah. out and do this thing by yourself. So our brains are still wired to think that if we do something to step outside of the tribe, to step outside of societal expectation, that we're essentially going to die. And I think we're wired like that. Mm -hmm. I went and I did a cold plunge the other day. And it's crazy because if I, if you were to just jump into a big old ice bath right now, you'd feel fear. You'd feel like, oh my God, I don't want to do it. So much resistance. But why? There's nothing to be scared about. It's just cold water. But our brains are still wired to think that that means danger. So it's the same exact thing. And then I do the cold plunge and I'm like, this is amazing. And it feels good. And I was totally fine. It also happened when I skydived and we had all these fears Oh my God, I'm going to die. Oh my God, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And I skydived. And as soon as I jumped out of the plane, all my fear was gone. So it's a very evolutionary response that when we step outside of our comfort zones, we have this fear because we've been programmed evolutionarily for to survive. so long to think that anything outside of the standard means death essentially mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and for mm-hmm. me also I'm an emotional I'm a very emotional being and I deeply deeply love the people that I love so for me specifically and maybe other people can relate to this too when I was changing my career I wasn't just choosing something different. And when I was changing my mindset, I wasn't just choosing something different for myself. It felt like I was also choosing something different for my family and something that I wasn't sure that the people that I loved most would be supportive of. No. That was the hardest part, choosing to drop out of medical school, choosing to move across the country by myself. The hardest part was choosing that, not being sure that my family was in full support of that. And because my whole life, all I want to do is make my parents proud and thank them for coming to this country and giving me a different life in the U.S., me doing something different. there's a part of me that was scared that maybe I would disappoint them along the way. Fast forward several years later, my parents are my biggest fans now. My parents are so supportive. I get to go on vacation with my parents, whatever I want, because I'm location independent now. I'm not a doctor that's working 16 hours a day. I get to have more time with them. I'm closer with them now. But at that point in time, when I first did it, I was like, oh my God, holy shit. It feels like the end of the world because yeah. I've programmed to think that for a really, really long time. But the truth is is that once you step up, once you jump into the cold plunge, once you honor your truth, on the other side of that is fulfillment, is everything that you want, is growth, is prosperity, there's love, there's all the things that you're meant for. And you actually get to bring all the other people along with you. And also, I'd like to think of all the people that I admire in the entrepreneurial space or leaders or Oprah, Oprah's my ultimate favorite. What did Oprah do? She stepped outside of the norm. She pursued her own thing. And of course, now at this level of, of just being in the spotlight, we're all like, Oh my gosh, we're so happy for her. We're so proud of her. We admire her so much. But at the beginning, she went through a lot of like pushing against those boundaries of what's safe of what is what she should do. And so I really think it's just programming from our life, but also programming for generations and generations and programming as a human species of how we used to function.
1: For sure. For sure. And uh, I I really love the fact that you came back to the whole idea of a tribe and how we used to, to live uh, in like, I guess, bigger groups. And I was listening to revelation by Russell Brand, which is by the way, an amazing piece of uh, a, of a book. And basically what he said is all we want is to be seen and to be loved how mm-hmm. has it all become so complicated? Mm-hmm. And basically, uh, I, I guess uh, what he was trying to get out of the listeners, the reader says, why are we actually trying to make things so complicated? Trying to chase certain, I guess, highs, certain um, status, sta- certain, I guess, monetary value or exchanges when it all, all that it comes down to is love and actually recognition. And I think it was the same with yourself. You were, you were kind of afraid that you would lose that recognition from your parents because if you would fail, you would disappoint. And therefore you won't be as worthy of love to them, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I'm actually, I relate to that so much. Currently, I, I'm a big fan of A Course in Miracles. I'm not sure if you've heard of A Course in Miracles. Yeah. So very Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I'm working through that. I've been working through it for quite some time, but I'm working through it again. And similar to what you said, what is it that we want as humans? And Marianne Williamson said this specifically. What we really want is to love and to be loved and, or what is, no, what is it that really brings happiness? Like what is the ultimate source of happiness? And really that's what we want as humans is we just wanna be happy. And some people think money is gonna do that. Some people think a certain level of health is gonna do that. Some people think relationships, career, whatever it might be, that that's the source of that. But really, just loving and being loved is the source of happiness. And then also being creative and creating and sharing who we are and sharing our gifts is the ultimate source of happiness, which at the end of your life at your deathbed, what are you going to reflect on? You're probably going to reflect on how did I share of myself in this life, but how did I love the people that I love and how did I share that love? Mm -hmm. And so I think that with the pursuing of Me, for example, when I was deciding to leave medical school, when I was deciding to pursue my business, I wasn't just pursuing a new career, I was pursuing my truth. And if I really think about it, what did I really want? I wanted more love and I wanted more connection and I wanted more fulfillment and I wanted to be more of myself. And I felt like I could do that in my own career. I felt like I could do that more outside of medicine, this field that I thought that was going to give me the thing that I want. So I think mm-hmm. that a lot of people are actually scared to be honest with themselves about thinking that if I pursue purely what I want and I pursue my happiness and I pursue giving and receiving love and I pursue being creative, they're scared that they might not actually get what they want through doing that because there's not yeah. a lot of people that are saying that that's the way to live life. That's, the, mm-hmm. that's not the way to actually function as a human. You're supposed to do this career. You're supposed to make this level of money. You're supposed to have this amount of money in your retirement and your 401k, then you'll be happy. This is the car you should drive. This I mean, I drive a wonderful car that I really, really fucking love, but that's not the source of my happiness. That's just an extent of who I am. And so I'm really glad that you brought that up because essentially that's what we really want, but we're not really taught by society to give ourselves permission to pursue that in whatever way we feel called to. 100%, 100%.
1: 100%, 100%. And I think it all comes down to, of course, self-awareness. Uh, because more than anything, if you're not self-aware, if you're not present with your being, with your thoughts, with your emotions, with everything that goes to your mind, really, you won't be able to understand what makes you happy. And I think that's the problem with society nowadays because mm-hmm. they, never, they are never present enough to be like, hmm, I'm craving a burger. Why am I craving a burger? Is it because I'm sleep-deprived? Is it because the person I'm expecting a text from is ghosting me and maybe I'm just feeling a bit low and maybe I just want some dopamine hit from the burger or is it because I'm hungry? They don't really go into that depth in order to really answer themselves because I believe that most answers are within us. We, we don't have to to ask anybody for them. It's just a matter of actually learning how to ask the questions. And I think uh, I think it's definitely something that you are recognized for you. You teach people how to unlock themselves. Almost, I know we had a, a couple of sessions together, and uh, really, all that you you were doing was listening to me myself and asking questions, and uh, everything else was just myself having the realizations on the spot. How does mm-hmm. that work, and how do you actually help people uh, give themselves the answers?
0: Sure. So I agree with you when you say that all the answers are actually within us. I think that we're individually so powerful. We have Our brains are so complex. And as just a living, breathing human being, that's a magic in of itself. Like the thing that always gets me is think about your heart and think about how it's beating inside your chest right now. You're not plugged into the wall like my computer's plugged in right now for it to For it to function for it to work my heart's just beating and somebody who's really science i have a science background somebody who's very into the science of things be like oh well your heart's beating because of electrical impulses i'm like okay sure so the propagation of electrical impulses on different nodes in your heart that's keeping your heartbeat let's look at those electrical impulses within those what's driving those electrical impulses is the is the flux and the movement of different ion channels Calcium, potassium, and all of that. If we look at those ion channels, what is is what? What is driving those? What's the why behind those? How is that actually working? It's, yeah, it's the constant flux, but what is the inherent why behind why that heart, why those calcium channels are 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 pumping those ions to then make the the charge propagate along your heart to then beat your heart to then keep you alive to then allow you to move through the world's changing lives and and having impact and being creative like that's magical to me that our hearts are just beating just because so behind that I believe that there's magic there's a purpose and I think it's also up to us to figure out why that is I believe that we're all here for a reason and you and I are here right now because this is where we're meant to be otherwise we'd be somewhere else Mm -hmm. and I think that when it comes down to just really giving someone the power to Connects to that, I believe that as a coach, it's not my job to tell you to do anything because I don't have your answers. Like I'll have people tell like, Nat, just tell me what to do. And I was like, I'll give you some suggestions, but I want you to connect with yourself. And I want you to give yourself permission to lean into what is best for you. And when people ask me, now, how did you achieve the level of success that you have? "Nat, how did you do this? How did you do that? At the end of the day, it always comes down to I really leaned in to listening to myself and listening to my intuition, knowing my personality, knowing my energy, knowing my emotional states and being OK with that and then making decisions from knowing myself. And so as a coach, I'll give different guidances. And like I did for you, when we had our coaching session, I would ask you questions to essentially lead you to what is most aligned with you. And there might be somebody who's doing the exact same thing that you're doing, the exact same business, the exact same mission, the exact same impact they're they're trying to have on people, but you're going to do it a different way, or you're going to show up energetically a different way, or you're going to communicate in a different way because you're you. There's only one pasku like you in the world. And so, of course, you would want to do it differently because you're different, because you're unique, because you're divinely placed in this world, just even thinking about the position of our planet in relation to the sun. And if we were closer, we'd explode from the heat. Yeah. And if we were further, we'd freeze to death. Like that's insane. And so if our world is positioned in such a divinely perfect way, then why can't you be positioned in a divinely perfect way? Mm, and that. so I then get to be a leader and I'm not, there's a lot of people that are doing what I'm doing. Um, but I get to be one leader, one coach that is giving people permission to listen to themselves, to listen to their guidance, to honor their creative, their creative endeavors, to honor their desires, to honor their goals, to honor to honor the way that they want to live their life. And so I also then get to give them permission to do that. But also I get to give them the tools, some of them I've learned, but some of them I've gotten from other people as ideas. And some of the tools I'll give you maybe don't work and that's okay. But then you get to practice using them. You get to practice listening to yourself and listening to your thoughts. I'm big on meditation. I love float tanks. If you ever heard of a float tank, it's a sensory deprivation chamber. And so you go into this salt pool and because it's so salty, you float at the top. So you just float there and it's, it's completely pitch black and you can't hear anything cause it eliminates all sound and you can't see anything because it's pitch black. You can't really feel anything cause you're floating in this float tank. And so it's this deep meditative state where essentially I'm forced to be with my thoughts. And a lot of people are really uncomfortable being with their thoughts and being hang with
1: almost, almost everyone. Yeah.
0: <laughs> of course I was at first because I'm like, my thoughts seem endless but they seem endless because they seem infinite. It's kind of like space. If you think of outer space and how infinite it is, that can either scare the shit out of you or that can make you really, really excited, really, Mm -hmm. really amazed it's a choice in perception. It's the same with our minds. Um, our minds are just so infinite, so complex. You can either be excited about that, or you can be scared as shit about that. And I think that a lot of people are scared about it because if you think of the way that we are raised as human beings, most people, not everybody raised as human beings or just edu- Specifically, I'll talk to the education system here in the U S we're never taught how to feel our emotions, mm. When kids cry, we try to get them to stop crying. We don't necessarily let them cry. We think that they shouldn't cry. When mm-hmm. kids are angry, we're just trying to get them back to some state of normal. We don't teach children how to process their emotions. We don't teach kids that are entering adolescence, going through puberty, how to, how to process their emotions. We're not taught communication, human-human communication at any point in school. We're just We just should assume that based off of societal standards, how it is that we should communicate with one another. And so if we're not taught communication, we're not taught how to process our emotions. We're not taught how to unapologetically pursue our goals and our dreams and our desires to a certain degree. We're taught to like, oh, you can be whatever you want to be when you grow up. But if a child shows up and is like, I want to be a unicorn, the teacher is probably going to be like, oh, that's so cute, but pick a real job. That's mm-hmm. programming. That's mm-hmm. that's programming right there. And chances are, this child can actually be a unicorn as a grown up, but maybe not like a literal unicorn. But they we get to still give them permission to be mm-hmm. what they want to be. Mm-hmm. And so, I get to be the person that's like, it's okay for you to honor your desires. You're allowed to do that. You're actually supposed to do that. I feel like that's our, our purpose in life is to just be ourselves and to unapologetically do that. Because when we're ourselves, we're able to love fully. we're also able to receive love and we're also able to create what we're meant to create in this lifetime. And some people are meant to create things like computers. Other people are meant to create safe spaces. Other people are meant to create billion dollar companies. Other people are meant to create educational environments for underprivileged children and underprivileged members of the community. But it all starts with us being ourselves and I'm here to plant that seed and give people a safe space and recognizing how when you honor doing what you want and being who you are, and I do that by asking specific questions, never telling you, that's when you get to actually have everything that you want. That's when you get to have a fulfilling life. That's when you get to be loved and receive love. And that's when you get to be happy and live a fulfilling, wonderful, full life.
1: For sure. For sure. That's so powerful. And I want to share, I want to share a story that literally just came to mind now as as you were sharing your insights. And all I'm going to say is that at the time I was not sober. I cannot share more than that, but basically I was, (laughs) I was, I was going through a forest and, uh, I was thinking about the trees i was like man those trees are so amazing and like how they are basically uh in like some sort of they're co-living like with each other they are sharing like soil they are sharing water and then i thought hold on a second this is how we as humans should live as well but what happens when you actually grow up it's like taking a tree putting it into, into some sort of ball uh, limiting its growth, limiting its uh, capabilities of reaching the light, reaching the waters or whatever. No, you have to be this certain way. We cut the tree, uh, how whatever shape we want, every single tree has to be the same. And is that the case? Probably not. If you go in the forest, there's different trees like... Different Mm -hmm. branches, different trees that have different, I guess, uh, um, smell, different seeds. And like it's the same with people. And I think that's the problem. And going back full circle uh, towards what you were just saying about emotions, I think uh, it's a huge, huge, huge epidemic when it comes to expressing emotions, especially towards the uh, male side and the male energy. And another thing that I, I don't remember where I found it, but I have it here on my Twitter is... Distraction is the metric for measuring our slavery. What is your take on that?
0: Traction is the method. Distraction.
1: Re- distraction. Distraction oh, is the distract. metric for measuring our slavery. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, distraction is the metric by which we measure our slavery. Yeah. I mean, I think that we, again, from a young age, it all comes down to how we're programmed and we're programmed to be distracted by certain things that are not actually aligned with our purpose. And so I think the hardest thing for me when I did go full-time in my business and I was my own boss is that I had to hold myself accountable to a whole nother level. And so there's things like, even though I run most of my business through social media, social media is a massive distraction. And I think that we get to, we're also distracted by a lot of things in our external world that we're programmed to think we should care about, but then also we're distracted by what society tells us we should be doing in order to get fulfillment, in order to get-
1: Watch the football match or do this or watch this Netflix series or watch this or do that Mm -hmm. or buy this certain thing.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And also, I think we're so stimulated as a society by technology and by screens that we also are constantly turning to those distractions without really even thinking about yeah. it. But at the end of the day, it also comes down to not being connected to ourselves because we're never taught. So distraction is going to be the thing that you divert to because that's what you're taught from a really young age, whether it's TV, whether it's social media, whether it's drugs, whatever that might be, because we're not taught how to connect to ourselves. And we almost think that the distraction is going to give us that happiness to give us that fulfillment, to give us that dopamine hit like the burger you mentioned. But Mm -hmm. really connecting to ourselves, I think, is the ultimate source of that. But how would we know to do that without being supported and connecting to ourselves. And a lot of people are like, Oh, I watch, I spend too much time on my phone, but then I know I shouldn't do that. But then what other options are we supported by, by society to go into instead for me? I, my whole entire life, since I was little, I never get bored. It's not something that I would have Same. so many books that I want to read I have so many places I want to see. There's so many things I want to do. There are never enough hours in the day for me. I'm never bored. But for other people, they they haven't been given permission to find other life-giving things that aren't distracting. And I don't want to shame anybody for watching Netflix, for being on social media. I think we absolutely get to give ourselves permission to indulge in those things. But as with anything, there's a fine line between knowing yourself and that it's a small indulgement versus it's a distraction. Like you said, yeah. and eventually if we're constantly diverting to it as a distraction and not showing up powerfully in our businesses, not getting our movement in and taking care of our bodies, not spending time in silence and meditating and taking care of our brains and our minds, then that is a slavery in of itself. For sure. Mm-hmm. I do. I can see how that can be a thing. We get to have the indulgences. I am currently watching Narcos on Netflix. Have you seen it? So
1: good.
0: Oh my gosh, it's all about the drug trade in Mexico and Colombia. Oh, I was so into it. It's so intense. It's it's a second
1: breaking bad, isn't it?
0: Kind of. I haven't watched Breaking Bad and I think I want to watch it. And so I love I love my Netflix shows. I love my guilty pleasures. And I give myself permission to indulge in those because I believe that life gets to be full of indulgences and and doing fun things that Mm -hmm. don't necessarily have to have a purpose. But also. I'm even more intentional with making sure that I'm pouring into myself, taking care of myself, showing up powerfully for the purpose that I believe that I have and being my authentic self. And then I'm doing the indulgence. Then the indulgence is an extension of who I am. And so that's when it's not, not slavery anymore. It's not even a distraction anymore. It's more of a, of an intentional choice as opposed Mm to reverting to scrolling on my phone. I've, I find this, I have, this happens to me all the time where I'm distracted by my phone. I will delete my Facebook and my Instagram apps on my phone for the whole day. And I will only open it when I need to make a post or when I need to message somebody back and then I'll go and I'll delete it right back. I'll leave my phone in my car for hours so that I can come inside and do what I need to do and then go and get my phone because I'm human by myself too. And so making sure that I know myself and I know how I operate minimizes those distractions, minimizes that slavery, but then allows me to just really more consciously choose outside of the programming that has been set in stone since I was born. Does that make mm. sense?
1: Yeah, of course it, it does. Uh, and uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, this will be very valuable for our audience listening right now. We are talking about being present, being conscious, being a uh, uh, destruction-less, if you, if you wish. And what would be three tips, three things that our audience can implement straight away to become more conscious and more, uh, I guess, in alignment with themselves? Three things mm-hmm. that they can implement. It can be habits. It can be anything you want.
0: Sure. So the first thing I would say is I would say give yourself permission to feel whatever you're feeling, whenever you're feeling. I know that there are times where I'm working through things emotionally. And I'm judging myself for crying. I'm judging myself for being angry. But I think that when we just give ourselves permission to feel what we're feeling, that's when the feeling passes. They're called feelings because they're meant to be felt. And I think that when we're constantly suppressing our feelings, that's when we're always stuck in the past or maybe worried about the future. And I think a lot of people are scared that if they feel what they're feeling honestly, that it'll never end they're scared of what they'll do if they allow themselves to feel full anger they'll be scared of what that they'll never exit that pit of sadness if they allow themselves to be fully fully sad but feelings are meant to be felt and feelings are meant to be released from our body and so just simply feeling them will allow you to pass through them and to release them And then after you're able to just, you don't have to do anything with your feelings. I think we always think that, oh, what can I do to fix it? What can I do to make you feel better? Sometimes just having somebody to listen makes you feel better, right? And so what if we listened to ourselves when we'd feel better, just with any type of emotion? So number one, I'd say just allow yourself to feel what you're feeling when you're feeling without judgment and without needing to do anything with that. And you'll realize that when you give yourself permission to do that, You'll just be feeling more present. You'll be feeling not as worried about past or the future. You'll just you'll you'll be more present. You'll be more grounded because there's no judgment. I used to work in daycare and I wouldn't try to make the kids stop crying. I would let them have their tantrums and then in five minutes, they'd be great. We'd have story time. It'd be totally fine. Imagine if we were the same with ourselves. So I'd say that was, was probably a big one, number one. Number two. Uh, number, th- another thing to be more present, as I would say, just having specific time where you're disconnecting from just electronics. I'd say Super social media. Important. Yeah, I'd say it could, whenever I if I'm really stressed about something about anything, if I'm anxious, and I don't even know why I'm anxious, the first thing I'll do is I'll disconnect from my phone. And for me, it's maybe going and meditating. But the biggest thing for me, I would say is going and connecting with nature, sunshine, um, depending on where you live in the world, it might be harder to go outside for a walk. But I would do this when I lived in Michigan in, in the winter, I would put nature sounds on my phone or no i would put them on in the tv in the next room i would be in a different room disconnected from any type of like electronics from my phone and i would just sit and meditate in the nature sounds of so the birds the waterfall the rain so i would connect with nature so disconnecting from from electronics and connecting with nature. That's a big Mm -hmm. one. Here's a little Mm -hmm. cool science fact. I'm really into this. Um, The frequency at which if we were to strap electrodes onto the earth and measure the frequency at which the earth is vibrating because the earth is vibrating. It's, it's a, it's a big living vessel in of itself. If we were to measure the frequency at which the earth is vibrating, it's the same it's almost the same frequency at which our brains vibrate when we are in a meditative calm state, the same mm-hmm. frequency.
1: The and theta so waves, right?
0: Yeah. Theta and then there's some alpha too mm-hmm. as well. There's all different types of waves. And so, When you are outside, your brain is going to sync with that. That's a lot of people do grounding with their toes and not wearing shoes and putting Mm -hmm. their toes in the grass or walking in the sand, just like physically connecting with the earth. Also auditory. If you can't go out in nature, then I would listen to the nature sounds, which my brain would get stimulated in that same way, but we'll get more calm. And when we're more calm and more relaxed, we're more connected to ourselves. So I'd say that's number two. And then number three, third way to really, really connect with yourself. Ask yourself what you need. After you've After you've felt your emotions, you don't have to do anything with them, and a wave of emotion has passed. And then after you've disconnected from all electronics and connected with nature, then ask yourself, what do I need? from this place of calm, from this place of feeling my emotions, what is it that I need right now? And whatever pops into your mind, honor it. I know a lot of people feel like they can't trust themselves. Be like, oh, what do you need right now? Well, first thing that's going to pop into my head is a McDonald's meal. I'm like, is that really what you need? I would challenge that. But after you've processed your emotions, after you've centered yourself, when you ask yourself from that place of connectedness, what is it that I need right now? Chances are the answer that's going to come to you is something that is aligned with your truth, aligned Mm. with. And usually it's something very simple. For me, it's I need water. Just go drink some water because life is simple. (laughs) Life is actually really, really simple. What do I need right now? I just need a hug. I need to call my brother and Laugh with him, tell him some fun things. What do I need right now? I need to just be a little creative. I need to play some music. I'm a pianist. I play the piano. Just play some music now. What do I need right now? I just need some sunshine. Usually, the things that we need are very, very simple things. Usually, it's con- again, it's connecting to other people, feeling love, or being creative, or loving on ourselves. And when you're giving yourself permission to ask yourself, what do you need right now? And then giving that to yourself, you'll build trust with yourself, but you'll also just be more at home with yourself and knowing that you can move through the world through any type of shit storm, through any type of challenge, through any type of tough and rough thing. If you can allow yourself to feel what you're feeling, disconnect from the noise and then give yourself what you need, you'll be so connected with yourself and you'll, you'll just be at a completely different level of self-awareness and peace as you're moving through the world
1: love it love it uh you heard natalie guys and um what i wanted to add uh, on the third point is uh, uh feeling what you need i was listening to ready fire aim uh mm-hmm. zero to 100 million or something like that and basically uh, it was all about sales and marketing but it really relates here and the author was saying that you have to identify the wants and the needs of your clients and there is one thing to have a want i want a McDonald's. and there's a whole other thing to have a need I need food, I need sleep, I need water. So there's a huge correlation and probably a big misunderstanding when it comes to that. But uh, coming full circle to your first tip, I just wanted to counter challenge and see your perspective on this. Feeling feelings, you were uh, talking about feeling anger, feeling fear maybe. Would you say that for every low there has to be a corresponding high and for every high there has to be a corresponding low or not and why?
0: No, I don't think so. Uh, I think that sometimes we make sense of the world through contrast and that's Mm -hmm. okay. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we need to experience the low in order to have that high, but it's not a rule. I think it's a rule if we think it's a rule. So coming down to like the foundations of what I teach and you and I talked about this is if you believe that you need a low and a high, that those go together. If that's what you believe, that's the only thing you're going to experience. But if you believe that there are no rules that you get to have high, 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 maybe a little dip, which then the dip allows you to then ricochet back into the high then you get to have that experience. But if you think that those are some of the things that are programmed into us and be like the entrepreneurial space, by careers and by by all of that. And again, it's really just a rule. And as humans, because we're so powerful, what we believe is truth. What we, you see this with all different types of um, cultures when it comes to healing practices, people are healing their bodies simply because they believe they can heal their bodies. And there's some people who are not able to do that because they don't believe that. So in regards to the highs and the lows question, but also really in regards to any rule given to us by society or given to us by a career or or a specific community or establishment, I only believe that it's true if 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 you think that it's true. So I think that there's a lot of people who are building successful businesses that think that oh, when I hit rock bottom, then that's gonna motivate me to really become a millionaire. And they become a millionaire and then they kind of get complacent. They're like, okay, I need to hit some type of bottom before I then push back up to the success that I need. And it's the pattern that they think they need the low in order to experience the high that is making them have that experience, which is then reinforcing their belief that that's the only way to do it. But imagine if they gave themselves permission to realize actually I don't need to experience a low, low, low point in my life in order to have that high. I get to decide that I get to experience that high just because I want it, just because it's meant for me, just because it's my destiny. And so once you really get your belief behind Anything, then that will be your experience. Kind of like I mentioned in the beginning, mm-hmm. Whatever mm-hmm. I think in here internally is going to be projected externally. So if I think that that's what is needed, then that's what's going to be my truth. Now, I've had very lows in my life that were scary and were very shaking, but I don't have to recreate those in order to have a transformative experience. I had a big health scare that I went through and it was very low and it was very scary. I thought I had cancer. I thought that I was not gonna be able to have children. And that was the most transformative point in my life. It was something that I'm now grateful for. And Mm -hmm. I look back on that and I'm so grateful for that. I found out at age 27, I had a 11 centimeter tumor on my uterus. And it grew really fast. Because it grew so fast, they thought that it was cancer, and so they I had to have emergency surgery. That, and they didn't know if it was going to be cancer or not because it grew so fast. So I signed hysterectomy papers. I signed. I was like, if it's cancer, take out my ovaries, take out my uterus, take out my intestines if you need. If the cancer's there, like take it all out. And that's age 27. It's not something that somebody normally has to deal with. And so it was a very, it was a scary point in my life, but it, it ended up being all okay because I had an amazing mindset and I was determined to heal from it, no matter what the outcome, I was okay Mm -hmm. with whatever the outcome would be, but it ended up being just a tumor And they just took it out. And I was totally fine after that. It was quick. I I healed in four weeks. It was totally fine. Not cancerous at all. But it was a very low point in my life that I was really, really shaken by what is it that i'm really doing here am i really following my it's kind of like dropping out of medical school another one but looking back on it i'm so grateful for it but i don't have to recreate another tumor or i don't have to recreate another health scare i don't have to hit rock bottom in order to have another amazing transformational experience Mm -hmm. since my tumor i've grown so much i've grown and i've learned so much as a human i've connected so much more to myself and I'm grateful that that tumor, that low gave me that opportunity because now I'm at an all time high, but I don't need to experience that low again in order to have that high again. I can just be high, 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 maybe little dips here and there, which I love because I get to grow, but it's. It's my it's my choice that I don't have to constantly create something that is unpleasant and icky in order to transform and to grow in the way that I am meant to. And it all it all is rooted in my belief and in my perception about the highs and the lows.
1: Absolutely love it. And I got to acknowledge you for sharing that with us. Um uh, it's definitely been a low point for you and it was definitely a question that I would I would have asked you is something that we asked mm-hmm. each guest is what's one event that you are the most grateful for and what you are telling me in regards to the highs and lows is super refreshing to hear and uh, I was reading The Big Leap, I think it's Gary mm-hmm. Hendricks or Gay Hendricks and basically the whole I guess uh, purpose of the book is to identify your upper limit when you're upper limiting yourself and it happened to, to me various times when I I thought that, again, for a high, I have to actually go like an underdog and like go through shit uh, for uh, only for me to, to, uh, I guess, deserve that high. And again, yeah, it's all a matter of belief. Uh, But moving on, um, as we are probably approaching uh, the end of our conversation, uh, not very soon, I wanted to ask you. And this is super, uh, I guess, esoteric and probably will probably make you think or not necessarily uh, if, and this if I think it's just a matter of time, if there will be the possibility for you to become immortal, would you choose to? If so, why? And if not, why? Hmm.
0: Hmm. Hmm. So I'll be so honest, intuitively, the first thing that comes to my mind is no, I would not Mm -hmm. choose that. I would not choose that because I think that there's a beauty, the beauty of life. The only thing that is assured in life is knowing that it's going to end. Nothing else is guaranteed. And because of death, we're motivated in ways that we're, we wouldn't be motivated if death wasn't guaranteed. And I think it's because of death that I show up the way that I show up. I'm motivated to show up the way that I show up for my business and for my clients and for my family. Mm-hmm. But it's also because of death that I love in the way that I love. I love the mm-hmm. people that I love. I love my family. I love the people that I'm helping. And going through my health scare, if it was cancer, I could be dead right now. And it was that thought of death that almost snapped me back into my life in a way that made me want to cherish everything at a completely different level that I've ever cherished it before. Something so simple as putting my own socks on because I had a I have a, a scar this big on my abdomen from my tumor. And so I couldn't bend over and move for a couple weeks. And so my mom was putting on my socks for me for a couple weeks. And when I was able to put my socks on by myself, I had the biggest smile on my face. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so great. And when I could walk again, at a pace that was normal. I was holding my tummy and I was walking in my neighborhood. I was like, oh my gosh.
1: It's a whole different perspective, isn't
0: it? I'm so grateful that I get to walk. I'm so, I can't believe I took this for granted. I was so grateful that I could use the bathroom without being in pain. I was so grateful that I got to, I was so grateful I left medical school. I'm like, fuck medical school. I could have died. I could have died from cancer and I would have been in a career that I was not actually wanting to be in. Fuck that. I'm so grateful that I chose the career that I chose. And this idea of death actually connected me more to life mm-hmm. and it connected me to the simple things in life. And I think that with immortality, that magic of life and the simple things of life would have been would be taken away. And if that's taken away, then what's the point?
1: I've got chills. Uh, Yeah, I'm 100% (laughs) with you on this. And I got to admit, probably 70% of our answers so far from different guests were uh, that they would choose to be immortal. And as much as I respect that, again, I'm with you. I don't think that there would be as much joy to life. I don't think there would be so much, I guess, urgency to do things, urgency to appreciate things as much. And again, uh, coming full circle to the contrast that we are talking about, and uh, feelings, and I guess good and bad, without death, I would argue there would be no life. And without life, there would be no death. So I, I, I guess it all uh, it all comes down to perspective. And yeah, really, really, really enjoyed your answer. But before, before I'll ask you the last question of the show, um, Nat, I, I just wanted to, I guess, get your perspective on this. And uh, I'm going to ask you, do you think that being rich is something selfish? And if so, why? And if not, why?
0: I don't think being rich is selfish at all. Mm-hmm. I think that every single one of us has a choice of what it is that we want to pursue. And when we choose to pursue anything, riches, health, a relationship, career aspirations, we get to also choose what intention we want to place behind that choice. And there are a lot of people that are choosing prosperity and money from a selfish place. But I do think that when you you can choose to be rich from a place of, I'm assuming you mean rich money wise. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because you can be rich in all different types of things, but also if you're rich in money, you can also choose richness another way. It's a different conversation. But when you're choosing, I'd say, what is the intention that you're choosing to be rich with? Because a lot of people are choosing it. I would say most people are not actually choosing it for selfish reasons. I think they're actually choosing to be rich because they think it's going to give them happiness. I think that's all really humans want. That's why people do drugs. people eat specific foods that's why people travel the world is because they're just seeking happiness that's all they want the path
1: to hell is all paved with good intentions someone Mm -hmm. wants that
0: yeah mm -hmm. and so you can pursue being rich with particular intentions but imagine if you pursued richness with loving intentions with intentions of doing amazing things with that well so for me I actually had a lot of limiting beliefs around allowing myself to be wealthy. A lot, a lot. I thought that people who are rich are selfish. People who are rich are greedy. People who are rich are bad people. They do bad things with their money. These are all perceptions based off of what I saw. But then I started meeting people who were rich that were philanthropists. I started meeting people that are rich that were doing amazing service things and service projects. And actually, I think when I was 11 or 12, I wanted to join the Peace Corps because I just wanted to serve. But then I had a really defining moment where I realized that actually, if I pursue richness and a shit ton of money, I can help a lot more people in the Peace Corps than I would just me by myself being a person in the Peace Corps, living a life.
1: Welcome of to the real world.
0: <laughs> Yeah. And so pursuing richness and pursuing prosperity and pursuing abundance is actually the most selfless thing that I can do because my intention to utilize that wealth and utilize that richness is to share it, is to circulate it, is to invest it and, we're gonna talk a little bit about the woo-woo stuff, and we haven't talked much about this, but if I I personally believe in God to a certain level, but I believe that my God is unique to me. It's not one God, it's not one per se. I was raised Catholic and in a Catholic school, but I also was raised Orthodox Christian in the Romanian community, but I don't actually identify with any of those relationships or with those religions, but I have my own relationship with God. If I were to ask my God, what do you think about richness and wealth? I believe that my God would want to give me all the wealth because he knows what I would do with it, Mm -hmm. because I would do amazing things with it for my family and I would spread it and I would circulate and I would do good things with money. And so if more and more people give themselves permission to be rich, to do good things for themselves and for their family and for their communities, that's actually the most loving and selfless things that somebody can do for themselves and for the world is that they give themselves permission to do that. Because what we, the meaning we associate to something is what its truth is going to be. So you can have a knife in your hand and you can use that to kill somebody, or you can have that same knife in your hand and use it to make your really healthy salad. That's a same tool, different use. One is a aggressive deadly use the other one is a healthy supportive use for you the same is with money we get to choose what it means and we get to choose what we use it for some people are using it for not so good ways that's not my problem but i'm going to be the person that's going to choose to use it in a way that's loving in a way that's selfless and in a way that is for is in a way that is a win for everybody and more and more people do that, then money is going to be treated differently, valued differently, and received and circulated differently.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was uh, Yuval Noah Harari uh, that wrote Money. And uh, basically, it's like a very tiny book that talks everything about money. And uh, it was super eye opening for me, even though I knew that we give meaning to money and money doesn't really exist. It's just our imagination and our perspective, our perception of things and how society works. Uh, Yeah, I I truly resonate with that. And to end it uh, uh, up, I'm going to ask you the last question of the show because again, I want to be super mindful of your time and our audience time as well. So really take your time with it. You are on your deathbed. Mm -hmm. uh, So you are just minutes before uh, you die. You already said goodbye to all your loved ones. There's no pain involved. You just know that you have to go onto the other side. But before you do so, you get to see, witness, the best version of yourself, the person Mm -hmm. that you could have become. You look that person in the eye, you see and comprehend what you could have reached. How would you feel about yourself and about the life that you have lived in that particular moment?
0: So the person that I'm seeing is is the person that I could have been. Yeah. I'd like to believe that I'm actually choosing that person today more than I've ever chosen them. If you would have asked me this question when I was still in medical school, it probably would have made me cry because I wasn't honoring my truth then. Oh, I'm getting chills. I was not honoring my truth then. So if you would have asked me that question when I was doing something that I didn't actually want to do, it would have made me cry and really sad that I wasn't pursuing the person that I meant to be. But I can say, of course, I'm human. Of course, there are things that I could do better. Of course, there's new things that I'm pursuing. And of course, I'm getting better and better at being my highest and best self. But I I would say that if I was on my deathbed, I would be so proud that I'm doing, that I did what I, that I honored my desires and I followed my heart and I did this crazy silly ideas, I listened to all of it, and I just did it, and I pursued it, and I trusted, even if nobody ever did it before, even though I was the crazy one in the family, I would look back, and I or I would look back, and I would be really proud that I actually died as that person, because that's what I'm pursuing now, and I'm so glad that I chose that. It was really scary to choose, but I would be, it would probably make me cry, and it would make me very proud, because I would probably feel something along the lines of you did it you did what you were meant to you fulfilled what you were meant to fulfill because you followed your heart and you listened to your intuition and you followed and you stuck to your truth as soon as you felt it so I'm proud of you now you're amazing on to the next life I don't believe that death is the, another reason why I, I said I don't, don't want to be immortal because I believe that what's beyond Death in my human form here. I'm actually excited to see what's beyond. I'm not in any rush. I would like to live a nice, long, happy life. but what's beyond that, I'm excited for it.
1: One would argue that death is just a human construct.
0: mm-hmm.
1: That's another story for another time. But yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, it's definitely been super enjoyable. And I hope that audience has taken out at least 1% of the things and insights that I've personally taken out. And that would be more than enough. Uh, But with that said, Natalie... Uh, Before I let you go, I just wanted to give you the red carpet to step on and uh, just tell our audience where they can find you, how can they work with you and every resource that you want to share. Feel free to share it now. It's all going to be linked in the description box.
0: Sure, absolutely. So I have an Instagram page where you can follow my life and all my goofy stories I post around in my Instagram stories. I'll sometimes do different posts, written posts. I post a lot on my Facebook page. If you guys want to add me on Facebook or follow me on Facebook, that's where I post a lot of like my written content. I do post a a YouTube video with a mindset teaching every couple of weeks. So you can just search my name and it'll pop up. I don't I think there's only one Natalie Bottizatu in the world. So I love my Name. it's so unique so you'll be able to find me really easily um, if you search me on any platform I also have you can find me on my website there and I have a free 5-day mental health reset guide that is like a really great place to start if you loved some of the things that I talk about you loved a little bit about what it is that I teach that 5-day mental health reset guide it's actually probably another thing that's get, will, will help people to really connect with themselves going back to that question that you asked me if they can go ahead and just put their email in and get that 5-day mental health reset it's a really transformative 20-minute little teaching session and then of Course, I do have one on one coaching that's available. I have my foundational course, it's called The Highest and Best workshop where I'm essentially giving you the tools to really connect with your highest and best self, connect that version of yourself that you could have been on your deathbed, like you asked in that question. It's a five-week course, has so many different meditations in there. It's a really, really foundational course that a lot of people have had transformative experiences with. So that's available. And then the last thing, it's not something I really mentioned too much to you, Pascu, but I also am in the process of writing my own music album with with my own minimal piano music. And it's also a, like meditative music as well. Mm. So that's going to be re- released by the end of this year. You'll notice in some of my courses, if, if anybody signs up for those, that I do do different meditations. So there are different musical meditations, but I will be releasing a specific album that is more piano music, more minimal, and has like a meditative element to it that is also going to be released on Spotify by the end of this year.
1: Awesome, awesome to hear. Yeah, I didn't know about that. And yeah, I think it goes without uh, without saying to our audience that I fully endorse uh, Natalie's coaching and I'm more than certain that her five-day mental health reset would uh, be super foundational for a lot of you listening. And uh, yeah, with that said, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, this is Pascu and you guys stay grateful. Thank you so much for sticking all the way till the end, this shows that you are serious about taking your life to the next level and doing that through a perspective of gratitude. If you enjoyed this interview, it would help us massively if you could give us a 5 star rating review on iTunes or else, share this on your stories and tag us. This way, with your help, our message will be seen by more people and together we will make this world a better place.